Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. On KMOX. Folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can call 314 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We've got a team of producers, Brad and Greg are here, and they will take your name, where you're calling from, and then they'll put you on the list, and we'll get to you as soon as we can. Thanks for having me on your show. And uh, you can give a call. It can be about uh, how about your annuals, how are they doing? How about your bulbs? I just ordered some bulbs from Operation Brightside. Actually, yesterday, I got my daffodils, and tulips for next spring. And also, Operation Brightside has been around for 25 years, so they had an anniversary T-shirt. So I got a couple T-shirts as well. How about your edibles, your ground covers, your house plants, your lawn, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens? I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take but strictly offered for you to consider. So during the week, I do landscape consulting. If you'd like for me to come over to your home and discuss things that you have in mind or things I'll keep my eyes, ears, and nose open up for, you know, maybe other things that might be problematic. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and the homepage will have my email address and phone number. And you can contact me, and I'll come over and do a walk and talk, and I'll share 40-plus years of experience you know, in your yard, I'll convert it over. And now, a special recognition, individual group or situation that's made an impression on me and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Today's tip of the trial goes out to SLU Care. As many of you know, listeners for a long time, in 1998, I had an epileptic seizure during the radio show, during the Garden Hotline, and they took me to SLU, you know, SLU Hospital, St. Louis University. And consequently, I'm on, you know, this kind of like thing with them. They sent me this information, and they sent me something related to this eclipse. And uh, so just be careful with this whole thing. And this coming up Monday, the skies, they're going to be darkened by this total eclipse. This is the first total eclipse in this region for 575 years. So you can witness this, but don't lose your, you know, your eyesight. So Slucare ophthalmologists and retina specialists Dr. Cavalli, he uh, says he'll explain there could be a way, you know, you could have irreversible damage. So just be very careful. So, again, SLU Care and the ophthalmologist and retina special, Dr. Cavalli, he sent uh, emails out. And actually there's a video. I couldn't play the video because you couldn't see it anyway. But uh, so just be real conscious that this thing can be a lot more wild than what you might think. Also, you know, just watch out because the traffic in certain areas is going to be insane with all the people, you know, headed in one direction or the other. So just be conscious of that and do that. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We'll be back after these messages. Chevy Small Car Saturday. Sonic is the first and only car in its class to receive a five-star vehicle safety score. 
Stop in at one of your local MidAmerica Chevy dealers for great prices on our all-new 2017s today. Chevrolet, find new roads. Checking the scores? No, I'm saving money and making my home more comfortable. The Bryant Housewives thermostat makes me energy-wise. I check the stats on my energy savings and change my thermostat, all from my phone. Al Roboski here reminding you that the Bryant dealers are doing whatever it takes to make you comfortable. For all of your air conditioning needs, call Welsh Heating and Cooling. They've been serving the St. Louis area for over 120 years. A National Contractor of the Year winner. Call them 24 hours a day, 365 days. Check out their five-star reviews at welsh.heatcool.com. Make Welsh your comfort company. Guess what, folks? This is a time of year when you should start thinking about getting some new mulch down. Don't put it down too deep. You know, three to four inches around woody plant material, trees, shrubs, and all that other stuff. One to two inches around, guess what? Perennials and all that other kind of stuff, herbaceous type things. And where are you going to go to get this? Well, you're going to go to St. Louis Composting. What the mulch does is helps conserve moisture. And also, as the mulch starts breaking down, it creates nutrient circumstances for the plant material. So it's just not a cosmetic type thing. And certainly don't do the, you know, the mulching just from a cosmetic situation. St. Louis Composting has all kinds of different mulches. They have a kid cushion, which is used. You can use it under like swing sets and slides and all that other stuff. They have various kinds. One, my favorite, just happens to be the cedar. The cedar just has a nice aroma to me. So it doesn't smell all the time. It's only when you first take it out. And But, uh, you know, growing up in Ellisville, there was a lot of juniper slash cedar trees all over the place. So I just happen to like that one. They've got them all kinds of dyed mulches and everything else. They even have leaf mulch. That's what I use basically in the woodland garden at the botanical garden. So St. Louis Composting, for all your organic needs, not just mulch, Valley Park Facility, that's a headquarters. Phone number 636-861-3344. They've got a great facility. The biggest one is over in Belleville. They've got one in North County on uh, County Park Road, Pacific on Franklin Road. That's very near Six Flags. So, And also one in Maryland Heights in the city of St. Louis as well. So St. Louis Composting, get out there and get your organic stuff taken care of. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. The phones were going, and Jane lives in South City. Hi, Jane. If I waited that entire time to talk to you. So anyway, getting back to my question, I recently had a tall fence put up, and I had three of my flowering plants not like it enough that they died on me. So uh, I need to know what flowering perennials I can get. I need two in the north corners of my sun garden and one in the south corner of my sun garden, which is not entirely sun anymore. So what would you suggest for those three corners, Mike? So now these are areas that are part sun or part shade? Is that what you're uh, looking at? Well, yeah. Well, actually, the garden started out full sun, and then when I had that big fence put up, right. it sort of knocked it down a little bit. It gets the east sun and it gets the high sun in the south and then as it it goes around to the west it gets a lot dimmer so uh would you suggest shade to sun plants uh that flower or what would you suggest so you realize that if we're we're looking at perennials it's going to be a relatively short bloom period for them 
Okay. So that, right. as long as you understand that, then you know, that's going to be perfectly fine. Do you need something that's big or tall, or can you use something that has just, let's say, colorful leaves? Uh, well, I could use colorful leaves. That would be unusual for my garden. Okay. But that would be fine as well. I would probably look at then, you know, the, there's varieties of the coral bells that have purple leaves. I would probably look at them. Okay. So there's like palace purple. There's a couple different varieties of that. They're striking. They're deep purple color. They still stay relatively low. And then what I might do is do a combination of that with the Japanese painted fern. And the painted fern has a silverish frond to it. So oh. that silverish frond with the purple might be an interesting combination for you. Oh, well, that sounds beautiful. Well, thank you very much, Mike. I do appreciate the information, and I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Well, great. And let me give you one other plant that you might consider, too. The anemone, A-N-E-M-O-N-E. So anemone is something that's blooming right now, has a a pinkish flower. They're tough, they're durable, and uh, they bloom for an extended period of time. Oh, it sounds very nice. Well, again, Mike, thank you for everything, and thank you for your show. Sure. Now let's go to Ed. Ed, how are you today? Time to transplant hostas plants. Any kind of hosta, definitely you can do it now. You can do it now. Yeah. Okay. Then we got blue spruce. The needles on the top of the plant are getting purple. Ooh, that's not a good sign. So how does it look just kind of in general over the whole thing? The whole thing looks pretty good. Otherwise, it off the top of it, it don't. Yeah, so I would probably, there's, it's a little difficult to figure out what that is. That's not just new growth, is it, that you're seeing with a no. different color cast? No. Yeah, because usually there's not any kind of diseases or something like that that's going to make it so it starts from the top and works its way down as far as a disease circumstance. Does it, everything... I mean, has any tr- kind of trauma happened to it or anything like that? Like some you know, branch falling off a tree or breaking anything? No, it's in the open space. Yeah, I would probably just, I wouldn't be overly concerned with it. If you want to, you may go to your favorite garden center and get some uh, iron sulfate. See if you can add that to your soil. What you're going to do is you're going to change the pH with the sulfur aspect of it, and then you're going to add some iron to it and see if you can get the color back to where it normally should be. And how old okay, is this? How old is this spruce? About five years old. Oh, so it's still pretty young. I would get yeah. the, you know get the you know get this you know iron sulfate and see if you can get that. Follow the directions on mixing it up and everything else, and put, you know pour that around the root system. And then your hostas, basically, you can dig them up now. You can chop them up into pieces if you want to. You can cut a like a pie wedge out of them if you have a big colony of them, and just get them to the new location. Make sure it's a well drained soil. And depending upon the variety, the deeper, deeper, deeper this uh, shade can be. And uh, don't plant them too near tree trunks because sometimes the tree trunks' wood quality is going to make it so they don't acclimate too well. Okay. Thank you very much for your information. Sure. And now let's go to Annie. And Annie lives in Bridgeton. Annie, how are you today? I guess we got a little bit of a, a hitch here. Oh, there we go. Ann, how are you today? I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, my question is, will Roundup work to kill grass that's growing in my periwinkle ground cover? It will kill that plus the periwinkle. 
Is there anything at all? Yes, you can go to your favorite garden center and get a grass killer. It will say grass killer right on it. It won't affect anything with a broader broader leaf, but it will just kill the grass out. Okay. Is there a particular brand? No, there's all kinds of companies that make grass killers. Okay. So it doesn't really matter. And just always, before you put any kind of herbicide or really anything down, read the label because it could be temperature sensitive. So, yes, it may kill your grass, but if it's too hot, it's too this, it's too that, it may just cause real problems just kind of in general. So just read the label and just follow the instructions. Okay. Thank you. Okay, great. Now let's, okay, let's go to Bob in Town & Country. Hi, Bob. Good morning, uh, Mike. Can you hear me? Sure, yes. Um, I've been dealing with a fungus problem in my yard, and this past week we put down fungicide, fertilizer, and uh, tall fescue seed. Um, Needless to say, the day after we put it down, we got this horrible rain. Right. And what happened, we we had aerated the soil before we did this entire project, and it looks to me like the heavy rain that we had has closed up all of the holes that we uh, that we created when we did this work. I'm wondering, since I still have the aerator, should I run that aerator through again and raise that soil up because the seed has not yet terminated, obviously? I would say I would have probably not do that because even though the seed hasn't, you know, germinated yet, you could be doing some damage to the seed, you know, because it may be germinating and you're not even realizing it. So even, okay. though, the, even though the plugs, the holes where the plugs came out of from the core aeration have imploded and filled in, you've aerated it about as much as you can possibly do. I would say, you know, don't go back across it again. Okay, we'll do it. And thank you very much for your help. Well, sure. And also maybe think about... I don't know what kind of grass seed you have or anything else, but as soon as it comes up, you know, you're going to have the seed starter fertilizer, and then you're going to do, you know, if you have like a cool season lawn, which I'm assuming like a bluegrass or a fescue, but then overseed again in May and maybe do a core aeration again in May before you put the seed down. Okay, so in other words, let it go now till next May, but I need to do a winterizing fertilizer, I'm sure, because this really looks bad. I've never seen it look so bad. Yeah, and it, you, to be honest with you, if you put a fungicide down and it rained, that's gone. Oh, you're kidding. No, yeah. So, I mean, it's if you had the rain like we had in South, you know, South City. We did. We I mean, did. there was huge drops, and it was constant, you know, for like 45 minutes. So that just, even though some of these, you know, herbicides, fungicides, whatever it happens to be, says water it in. When there's that much water that quick, it can just dilute this stuff down to nothing. Oh, man, that's expensive, too. <laughs> Lord in heaven. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, well, oh, should, should I refungicide then? I would say I, don't do too much because you may cause more problems than you're actually. You, maybe it's fine. Maybe it'll work. I don't, you know. It's just be real cautious. Always read that label because if it says, you know, if you apply this, which we didn't even know it was going to rain, you know, within 48 hours of the rain, it's it's gone. Well, it's a systemic fungicide. Right. That's, you know, I mean, that's great. and But it's still, that's not so good. No, I know. it. So I'm sort of between a rock and a hard place. I don't know whether to put down more fungicide or not. I would personally, I would not. Because you could create a chemical imbalance with the fungicide. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, the choice is certainly yours. There's no getting around it. But I personally, I would not do that. 
Um, one final question. Sure. Um, are you, are you, if I contact you on your email, are you available to look at this mess? <laughs> yeah, we can set up a, we I'm, can schedule a time I'm, where I can come out to your house. More than happy to pay for your services, <laughs> but I'm getting nothing from a lot of these lawn care people. <laughs> I'm sorry to say that. Well, I, you know, I can certainly just, you know, email me and uh, we'll set up a time and I'll come to your house. Okay. Thank you very much. Certainly. And thanks, Bob. And let's see if we can get another call in. Gloria in St. Louis. Hi, Gloria. How you doing? Very good. One, one question. I pulled up all my books last year and I want to, would, it, would they be any good to put them back in there? Now, in what the did you pull up? Bulbs. B-U-L-B-S. Oh, your bulbs. You mean yeah, you pulled up your daffodils and tulips and things like that? I pulled them all up and put my flowers down. Okay, that's fine. You don't really have to do that. You can grow your flowers on top of them. Basically, what you need to do is just go out. I'm assuming you, you know, your bulbs are in the garage or there's someplace. Look yeah, at they're you. in the yard. Okay. They're just laying in the yard? Yeah. <laughs> that's not so good. But just go out there and feel the bulb. If it still feels firm, then you could replant it. If so it feels it soft... Then don't. No. Okay, another question I want to ask. I had True, True Green come out here to check on this yard, and they said these chinos, is that what it is? Look, look like little bitty ants or diseases in the yard. Okay. And they said they can aerate it and put seeds down. You think some of my grass is starting, would it grow? Uh if if you're trying to grow a cool season grass from seed this time of year, this is a good time of year to do it. Yeah, that's what they said they're gonna put down. Okay, that's fine. So it's but would that spot come back? Yeah, I mean, just make sure that you're ready to water it every day for you know for two weeks until the seed germinates. Put a seed starter fertilizer down with it. Ah, uh, I'm not gonna do it. True Green gonna do it. <laughs> Oh, they're going to do everything? Water. Well, they're not going to take care of it for two weeks. They're not going to come I by know her. That. I know that. I got to do that. I'm okay. just saying they're going to put all the stuff down. I'm not oh. going to, you know. Okay, then that's fine. Sure. But I got to water it every day? Yes, for two weeks after the seed goes down. Do you think that's a good idea of me just go get yard and put it back down? <laughs> it's a personal choice. You know, I mean, it's either one of them has its own problems. So the bluegrass okay. and fescues have problems, and the zoysia has its problems season-wise and ever, you know, other factors as well. So what's the best seeds to put down then? Anything that you put down. If you put a fescue down or a bluegrass, make sure they're a mix. Don't just use one specific variety. The mixes okay. are going to have all kinds of different seeds of the same type. Okay, I'll tell them then. All right. Okay, thank you very much. Certainly. Thank you Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This this is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, we still got 25 minutes, so if you got any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Lisa lives in St. Louis Hills. Hi, Lisa. How are you today? Hello, sir. Good. And you? Very good. Wonderful. Listen, I have two things I want to discuss with you. For, firstly, last year I put in a weeping uh, cherry tree, mm-hmm. and I have always lo- loved them. But it's sort of odd. I find I have like about five or six bran- branches that are growing straight up. Right. Is that y- usual? Well, it's usual, but what that is is uh, a weeping cherry tree, many of the weeping trees are have two different grafts. One, the trunk is grafted to the root system. Then the weeping part is grafted to the trunk. The weeping part, that graft, is what weeps. 
But the trunk doesn't realize that I'm supposed to be a good boy and, and just support this weeping part. So it's okay. shooting straight branches up. So c- get those cut out. I can cut them. Oh, yeah. And it won't, won't hurt it at all. No, no, and you want to get rid of them because it's going to start sapping energy from the weeping part. Oh, great. Okay, well, good. I'm glad I called about that. And one more thing on that. Um, there's a couple weeping ones that have no leaves. Should I cut that off as well? Yeah, if they don't have any leaves, they're not going to have any leaves. Okay, sounds good. Now, quickly, um, a crepe um, myrtle. Right. Can I, when, when should I cut that back and how far? Uh, basically, some people cut them way back. You don't necessarily have to, but wait until, I mean, it's still flowering, so wait until oh, the absolutely. foliage starts, you know, co- you know, discoloring and falling off and cut it back at that time. You can just leave it and wait till next year when the new growth begins and just cut off any dead, so you can leave it at, just as it is, or some okay. people cut them halfway, some people cut them way down. It's up to you. Yeah, I don't want to cut. Oh, okay, wonderful. Well, listen, thank you so much. Sure. Thank you. And now let's go back to Staunton, Illinois. That's where we were for our first call today. But we're going into Steve's yard this time. Hi, Steve. How you doing? Very good. Uh, I had a tree service guy. I look at uh, this soft maple of mine, and uh, it's got sawdust around the base of it Ooh. on the ground. Right. It's got black ants, he said. He said he wouldn't let it go through the winter. Well... <laughs> told him to go ahead and take it down right and grind the stump out but is the ants going to move over to the one about 15 20 foot away and he says well you need to treat your soil well uh, the ant- insecticide spray yeah you could that do that or- but the ants are really not what's digging you've got you had probably had boars in there the ants just go up and gather you know sap and all that other kind of stuff that sawdusty right. stuff that frass is usually an indication that you have boars in the tree as opposed to the ants. Ants just use the old tunnels from the boars, and they're just bringing sap, you know, food back out of that. Ants usually don't eat wood. Mm -hmm. I just wondered because he says, well, we was wanting to plant a red maple there. Right. I was going to have him grind the stump out, and he says, well, I wouldn't do it this year. I thought fall was the best time. He said, wait till spring. You need to treat your ground first. Well, I I wouldn't be worried about treating my ground, to be honest with you, for ants. And the hard maples are going to be much more resistant to it. And if you get this tree taken away entirely, then the boars, boars are just, a, let's say, a baby you know, moth or insect, a flighted insect. Right. So and in reality, I don't think, you know, the ants just happen to be there, like I said, just getting the food down, you know, in these tunnels right. that were created by the boars. So it'd be all right. Uh, would I have to spray an insecticide or no. anything you where don't this really, tree is? No. But don't try to plant right on top of this. And before you decide exactly where you want the new tree to go, probe around and make sure there's not some big tree roots of the tree that you had removed right there, because that can be problematic. Okay. Yeah, we just want a red maple. Right. Sounds perfect. uh, But uh, now, spring or fall be the best time? Fall is by far the best you know, if you can get a good quality tree, the ground is warm, the root system will start growing, and then the plant gets to go to sleep for the wintertime. That's what the advantage of fall planting is as opposed to spring. Spring, the ground is really cold because we're coming out of wintertime, so the root system just kind of freezes up and doesn't want to grow all that much. And then the, the newly installed plant, whatever it happens to be, is going to be facing our summers, and our summer is by far the most stressful thing for a newly installed yes. plant material. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, I was just kind of curious about that, uh, the ant infestation yeah. moving over to another tree. No, so. that's not going to happen. Okay, thank you. Yep, and if it does, right. you can come and get me. <laughs> now let's go now to Vicky's yard in Chesterfield. Hi, Vicky. Hi, uh, I have a fiddle leaf fig, and it's um, it's now six feet tall, mm-hmm. and um, I have it kind of propped with sticks and stuff because it's bending over. And I had asked you a long time ago uh, when it was only maybe two feet tall what I should do, and you said that I could cut it off. Right. And I said I I couldn't ha- I couldn't handle that. <laughs> Well, now what, what what can I do? Do I just have to cut it yeah, in order but, to make it stand up? Yeah, and, and it depends upon you know how big the actual trunk is. And fiddly fig for people, this is a house plant. So in other yeah. words, but it has huge leaves, and the leaves are very very heavy. And if the trunk is not big enough to support that, that's what you know what the problem is. Yeah, so well, the, yeah, the trunk is just maybe. Bigger than a quarter. Whoa! I know, but if the leaves are so enormous, you wouldn't believe right. it. Oh, I, I yeah, I understand how they grow. So yeah, this is you know the tree is. I mean, the fiddly fig is kind of a little bit messed up as far as growth wise. But yes, but I you know if you can hold off and not cut it off, I would not cut it going back going into the winter time because you're going to be losing some leaves and you know consequently. You know, just in- increasing the root system, the possible new growth on the trunk during the wintertime is going to be diminished even more. So if you can wait till we're past, let's say, the New Year's and cut it back then, that's fine. If you need to cut it back now, just go ahead and cut it back. But well, make a cut. I definitely have to cut it back. Definitely. Okay. So just cut. Make sure you don't leave a stub. Just take, choose individual branches. The higher up is probably the better ones that you want to get rid of because that's probably where most of the weight is. Okay. And, and just then inc- can, I start, can I start that piece that I cut off? Uh, go get to your favorite garden center. Get a rooting hormone for woody plants. So, yes, yeah, you can. I got that. Okay. Got that. Uh-huh. Okay. That's what I'll do then. Great. I won't feel like it's lost that way. <laughs> hey, thanks so much. Sure. <laughs> wow. Of calling of several years ago when it was only two feet high, now six feet high, and it's still growing. That sounds great. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. That's 1-800-900-1672. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got about 10 minutes of this show. Then at 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Adam Bold. 11 o'clock brings the KMOX Home Improvement Show with Scott Mosby. 1 o'clock, the Business of Family Business with Ryan Recker. So all kinds of stuff coming up before the Cardinal game. Elena lives in Florissant. Hi, Elena. Hi, good morning. Hi. I have a flower bed right in front of my house. Mm-hmm. I formally, about five years ago, cut some bushes out of that area. Um, it gets about two or three hours of sunlight during the day, direct sunlight. And then the rest of the time is shaded because there's two big maples in the front yard. Okay. I put a hydrangea in there and two rhododendrons. My problem is they don't flower. <clears throat> My hydrangea... I've had, I got two blooms on it. It's an endless summer hydrangea. I got two blooms on it all summer. And then the rhododendrons, they got a, like a flush of bloom in the spring that lasted a day. 
all the blooms fell off, and that's been happening every year since I had them. So I know something's wrong, but I don't know what. Basically, rhododendrons, it could be weather-related. I mean, they're very, very iffy, even during ideal conditions and circumstances, about uh, seven days, maybe 10 days is about as long as the flowering is going to stay on those things. With the hydrangea, how long have these things been in the ground? Um, They've been in there for the last, this is their uh, third or fourth year. Yeah, it may just be an establishment problem, but if the leaves look healthy on all of them and everything else, this is just what you're going to mm-hmm. have to, you know, kind of have to live with until they get more mature. And how close are these mm-hmm. maples? The maples are probably 15, 20 feet away. So, in other words, these newly installed plants came out of a nursery where they were nursed along their whole life. You stuck them in there, and they're battling with these maple tree root systems. So that's you know, probably uh-huh. the part of the problem, too. So do some fertilizing. Just be patient, and that's about all you can do. Make sure you get a fertilizer for acid-loving plants. So now let's go to Ken. Ken is in Oakville. Hi, Ken. Yes, sir. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I've got a, I've got a, I live in, I have got a lilac tree. You know, it's grafted from a, a lilac bush, and a tree's about 10 years old. It's about 9 foot tall. Beautiful blooms all year. Lately, this year, like seven of the branches just died, and all the rest of the branches are fine. So I just need to cut them out now, or should I wait? No, go ahead. If you if you're sure they're dead, you know you can take your fingernail, scrape the bark. If it's not you know light color underneath or greenish, or just get rid of anything that's dead because it could be lilacs have other you know insect problems as well. I'm not saying that's what causes, but it's dead branches on anything, whether it's li- big trees or lilac trees or anything else, is just an invitation for other problems. So, yeah, c- get them cut out. And if they're longer, cut them by- out in sections. So the final cut is going to be as close to the tr- you know big branch or as, cl- as close to the trunk as you can possibly make it. Not oh, okay. scalp, but don't you know leave a stub about a you know quarter inch or so. Okay, one more question. It's about, let's say it's about eight foot tall. Should I chop that down a little bit to make it look uniform, like a, a foot or two, all the branches on top, or should I leave it alone? I would just leave it alone. You, you know, think it could grow back in those, in those areas? That uh, are, it's, you know, it's hard to say, but, I mean, it's going to take a long, long time. But to, you know, to cut back the good growth to match the stuff that you had to take out because it wasn't good, doesn't, you know, that just doesn't kind of make good sense. So you're just going to have to kind of go with it, you know, being misshapen. And that's just kind of the reality. It's kind of like all of us, people-wise, plant-wise, and everything else. Not everything is totally uniform. Julie lives in Crestwood. Julie, how are you today? Hi, I'm pretty good. Great. I am hoping you will have some magic information for me. (laughs) I have some lantanas, and I get the red and orange and yellow ones because the hummingbirds love them. Right. And a couple of years ago, I had bought a lantana tree. It was the coolest thing. It had a braided trunk and this big ball of lantana flowers at the top. Well, in the fall, I brought it in, put it in a bedroom that's not used, and it made it through the winter. Right. I mean, in the spring when I took it out, it looked dead, but it made it through. Well, last year, it didn't make it through. Right. 
So I got some new ones, and I'm hoping you will have some tips for me. I don't have the trees anymore, but um, but I'm hoping you can coach me to get it through the winter because they're just beautiful. Right. They're spectacular. I completely agree. Uh, there's probably not enough light for them. Having them as a houseplant just in general is a very difficult circumstance. So if you go to your favorite garden center and get some grow lights and put them up close to a window and then put still grow lights over the top of them and during the wintertime water very, very little. Don't overwater them at all. Don't fertilize them at all. And that's probably the best thing you can do. Okay, because I'm afraid last year I didn't water the thing enough. Well, Whereas the year before I got lucky and I did. So right, so it's just probably a, like once a month, maybe. Yeah, that's exactly right. So that's, and now let's go to Florence, and Florence lives in Troy, Missouri. Hi, Florence. Hi, Mike. Um, Mike, uh, on Mother's Day, a friend gave me a potted plant called a sun star. It it lasted a long, long time, but recently when I it dried up and I dumped it out, I found out it was a bulb. Now, how do I treat that bulb? When do I replant it, or will it work at all? Uh, you could give it a try. Does the bulb still feel firm? So, in other words, it's not soft yeah. or anything? No, it's in good condition. Okay. Probably what I would do is, it, does it, have you cut off all the leaves and everything? They dried up. Okay, good. So, so you're going to kind of treat it like an amaryllis. So in other words, just you could put it back in the same pot with the same potting mix. Don't do any watering. Don't do anything. Just leave it alone, and you don't have to put it near the sun or anything. And just let it sit and kind of rest for a couple months. Then you know, put it, bring it out, put it in a window with the sun, and water, start watering it. And that's probably the best thing you can do. Thank you, Mike. Good I luck. do want to keep it. Sounds great. And for our final call today, we're going to Collinsville, Illinois, and that's going to be Gary. Gary, how are you? Uh, pretty good. I I got a question. I'm I'm kind of confused on with this pre-emergent when to put it down, and when you can receive it, and, and I'd like to uh, get started on that. And I was wondering, could I use a broadleaf killer at the same time, or what's the procedure with that and receive? Basically, you cannot put a pre-emergent down or really any herbicide when you're doing reseeding. The pre-emergent definitely will kill the grass seed as it grows. And even an herbicide that's a broadleaf weed killer could have a bad impact on newly germinated grass seed. So you, you kind of got to get the weed circumstance out in control. Pre-emergent is out if you're going to do the fall, you know, fall seeding. You just can't do any of it at all. And so consequently, you can get rid of the broadleaf weeds that you have, then wait for 7 to 10 to 14 days after that. Then you can put the grass seed down. And then pre-emerge in the, in the spring then? Exactly. Okay. Now, there's right, two different you. kinds of weeds, you understand. There's a you know, warm season weed and a cool season weed. The one, right. if you were able to put it down now, you'd get rid of the cool season weeds. So in other words, like annual bluegrass and henbit and things like that, the warm season weeds are like, you know, crabgrass, goosegrass, and things along that line. So really, you know, pre-emergent, once you get a nice, well-established lawn, that's what you want to do. You want to do once in mid to late August, and again, sometime around when the fourth or the forsythia is in bloom. So two different times a year. But if you're doing any grass seed spreading at all, no pre-emergent at all, and be real cautious about any kind of herbicide whatsoever. 
Okay. I've, yeah, I've got a headband, and I've, you name it, I've got it. So <laughs> I just put the broad and the, uh, the uh, stuff down for that, and then I'll wait to springtime and we. Right. Sounds great. Thanks to Gary, okay, and thanks to everybody who called today. A couple other things. If you are growing herbs, realize that the best time to harvest your herbs, whether it's basil, thyme, it doesn't really matter, is early in the morning. You're going to get a better taste, better flavor out of your herbs just kind of in general. And, uh, boy, we're headed into the time of year where it's still dry. And so keep watering. It's going to make a huge difference, not only with just your lawn, with your perennials, with your trees, with your shrubs, with everything, because the ground is still pretty darn dry. So dry ground is something you need to be very concerned with. Again, thanks to everybody for calling in. I greatly appreciate it. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.